<sighs> ready? Yep. Take one. Hello, players who overthink their session zeros. And DMs who don't know what the fuck a session zero is. Welcome to our own session zero here at the table. That's your line. <laughs> I'm okay I'm with that. Gonna, okay. You can say that. I'm okay. Yeah, you can say that. That's fine. That I works. don't know why I immediately... Well. Hello, players who overthink their session zeros. And DMs who don't know what the fuck a session zero is. Welcome to our own session zero here at the table. I'm Robert Lopez, forever overworked DM. And I'm Maddie Conway, and much like my first session at a new table, I do not like the way the person next to me smells right now. So what is Table Talk? What even is this podcast about, Maddie? Well, I'm glad you asked. Welcome to Table Talk. This is my personal pet project that I've been working on for some time now. It's a fun little laid-back podcast about all things D&D and tabletop game-related, hosted by your hopefully new favorite player and DM who are always trying to fuck each other over across the table. So before getting into the game, we figured that you all might want to know a little bit more about us, who we are, our experiences, and what exactly makes us qualified to speak into microphones in an empty room across from a couple of laptops about your favorite pastime hobby, Dungeons and Dragons. So you know what our names are. So we're going to tell you guys a little bit about who we are, uh, kind of where our backgrounds are at. So I started playing, God, Dungeons and Dragons my, I want to say like junior, senior year of high school. We used to make fun of it and say that shit was for nerds. <laughs> Uh, we all played like role-playing RPGs and shit like that on uh, like PlayStation, Xbox, PC. Uh, and then eventually we like moved into uh, kind of the real space and the real thing and we tried our first campaign and like the four or five of my friends from high school, we absolutely fell in love with it uh, and just kind of kept playing as time has gone on. I am like on again, off again player in DM, but most recently I've been like DM a lot. Um, and <laughs> I met Madison specifically as a player for the first time whenever we studied abroad together. I had never been a DM, and then we were looking for a group all staying in the same place to, like, play Dungeons & Dragons. 95% of the people fucked off and didn't get involved in it. Uh, in true D&D fashion. In true D&D fashion with scheduling, it never goes right. And having never been a DM, I said, sure, I'll be a DM for a bunch of people that have never played the game before. Uh, and then we wound up with, like, five or six people all at this long-ass table. And that's kind of where my, like, start as a DM uh, happened. Was in a foreign country with people I had never played before or known uh, in a role that I had no business taking on. But it worked out pretty well because we're here now. We're talking. We played that campaign for well over a year. Yeah. We played it for, what, two, three semesters? Yeah. Played it for three semesters back-to-back. -back, and then did some things like over breaks and stuff which was fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, I come from a very different background uh, than Robert does when it comes to tabletop gaming and D&D in general. Uh, I come from a theater background, uh, so that didn't really give me a lot of time in high school to have any other interests, um, as I was like at the school until like 8.30 most nights. I think I tried to play D&D or like some type of like tabletop RPG in high school, and it just, in true fashion, fucked off and fell apart and no one was able to make it uh so I come from a really strong background in performing in improv I do a lot of like storytelling things I've done a lot of collaborative online story stuff. content that done is, stuff that makes it sound like I did porn something buried deep it on was, TikTok <laughs> yes I so there was so it was basically D&D &D without rolling the dice um mm -hmm. but like making my own original characters is not anything that I'm like far removed from um so i really only started playing D, &D got like a year and a half ago yeah um and that was with robert yeah. um 
when we mm. made that little D and D club, and I ended up playing that character, like my very first character ever. Which do I suggest everyone's first campaign goes on for two years? Probably not. Also, the only character in the entire <laughs> yeah. campaign as a player to not, no, correction, not to I not died. die, but to not play a new character I, in the second version of I it. I refused. Uh, during the second branch, I said, I'm playing the same exact character, and I did, and I played that character for like well over a year, and she did die. She killed herself she specifically, but she yeah. came back to life. She also came back from multiple death saving throws. Yeah. After being like lampooned <laughs> by Most, I was ridiculously high level enemies, and then just like walked back up and kept going. Yeah, that's wild magic. The amount of times I tried to baby. come Madison at the table is unreal. Like it got to the point <laughs> where like before personal. session I was like, I'm going out of my way. You're gonna die. Like I'm gonna get a team party kill. It's gonna happen. And Which it is never <laughs> fucking happened. Which was it a full happened. flip from when we were playing back uh, when we were abroad, and I decided that we were taking too long to like do things as a party and I just decided that I was just going to start like touching things or grabbing things or like trying to do magical things don't be that person um, don't, don't be that person <laughs> at the table don't. when everyone else is sitting there trying to think and formulate a plan like the wizards in his little fucking book looking at his notes trying to figure out what utility spell to use to unlock the door and the barbarian is like sitting there with his thumb up his ass and everyone else is like really trying to think and talk it out don't be the person to just walk out the door and press the fucking button or pull the lever. I mean, yeah, sometimes it works. It but I, fully works. Yeah, it but works sometimes very well. it doesn't work, and it gets everybody else in your party killed. That is true. But, uh, yeah, he at one point did have, like, a real-life conversation with me saying, like, you need to play smarter or you're going to die and mm -hmm. I'm going to kill you to send a message. Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of talked about different players at this point, like... Yeah. Is, is a DM, the people that I've watched outside of like a couple of my best friends, like Brennan Lee Mulligan, um, uh, is Matt Mercer. Yeah, Matt Mercer. And like I like the, the more serious, their real world consequences. I mean, real world, right? You live in a made up fucking make believe fantasy world, yeah. but real world consequences to your actions. And that's very hard to do with new players that don't know what they're doing. Because it's like, I would love for you to actually have a consequence to saying something hilariously stupid to the person that like has weapons of what like weapons of mass destruction but i can't because you don't know what rolling for initiative is yet no like you've never touched a combat session and i would love for you to face the consequences of your actions but you can't yeah i was coming in and the way i kind of like got into like D D and stuff is like i obviously i knew about it and then everyone started like talking about it again when stranger things came out um but I got, like, really into, like, Dimension I still haven't 20. watched Stranger Things. I refuse to. I watched the first I won't do season, it. and I did not watch anything since. And I feel kind of bad about that. I won't do it. And fuck the people that are like, yeah, bro, Stranger Things brought D&D &D back. Motherfucker. These are hard opinions have been episode. Neckbeards have been playing this shit in their mother's basement for years. All Stranger Things did was give an excuse for people that, like, aren't neckbeards to play the game without repercussions. Listen, I'm not gonna like. No, I'm not. I'm not coming at you. I'm just saying that Stranger I'm Things to keep an needs image. to back the fuck off. I want to be successful and also be like still be considered. Uh, no one can. I'm an angry cool. person and that's I like to complain. That's my image. I'm well aware. Fuck Stranger Things. <laughs> okay. I've never seen it. I'm told it's amazing, but just that particular aspect of it. Yeah, I, I will say it did get a lot of the credit for like bringing it back to the mainstream, but I think that it's also. And I can't say it didn't. It didn't do a little bit. However, it didn't like reinvent the fucking hobby. Like nothing no, in Five E has changed except for when Sorcerers was like, "Hey, we're gonna copyright everything you've ever done." 
Are we allowed to say that? I guess I'm saying it. We I were... mean, they did it. Did they not? Or at least they tried to. They were like, hey, guys, guess what? We're going to take all of your content because somebody in their basement made the game, and then we bought the game from the person that made it. So now you can't use the system. Yeah. So then everybody around the world was like, cool, we're going to call it like fucking Penguin 5, and that's going to be the new system. I and would it's going to be every five. single mechanic. Everything else is the same, but the name is different. Um, oh, uh, going back to the... I, th- this is also a podcast hosted by two people with severe ADHD, so yeah. know that going into this. Thing. I mean, we have like things in front of us to remember the topics that we're supposed to hit and things you want to talk about. And most other episodes will be a little more structured than this, but like this one in particular is going to be very chaotic because it's just shotgunning all of you with information about who we are yeah what this is going to be what we're like what your expectations should be of us as people i mean this 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 is a good example it is there's going to be arguing there's going to be Mm -hmm. hard opinions that come out of nowhere um and it's going to be beforehand we talked about it too we were like so do we do we (laughs) cut ties with sorcerers we both (laughs) agreed no but right now i've made the decision i think we should Uh, they sent the fucking pinkertons (laughs) to a man's house because he got sent the wrong box of cardboard. <laughs> I mean, sorcerers, I'm not going to diss the hobby. I play it all the time. I've sunk hundreds of dollars into it. I play it all the time. However, thousands common, of dollars. It's still sorcerers, and they still sent the Pinkertons, the Pinkertons to a man's is crazy. house. That's how I learned the Pinkertons were still around. Oh, yeah. I think that's when like 95% of people on TikTok learned that the Pinkertons it's were just, real. I, was, crazy, I thought they died. It's a crazy concept. I thought they were like, like a Red Dead Redemption invention. <laughs> and, like, that's where they lived and died. And then they were like, no, actually, sorcerers hired them. Like, who? I think it's funnier to imagine they were just from like Red Dead Redemption. They, are, and then they only exist in a video game. Sorcerers decided that they needed something like truly hardcore and out of this world to mm-hmm. track down. Like they could have sent literally anybody. They could have sent like a cease and desist letter they and been like, sent hey, an man, email. take your videos down or we're going to sue you. No, they sent like cartoon bodyguards that only protect the rich historically and currently <laughs> to his house. And then we're like flabbergasted when everybody was like, oh yeah. my God, you're terrible people. And they were like, but we had to get our shit yeah. back. And they said, no more gaming license. And then everyone said, fuck you. And now we have our Penguin 5, baby. <laughs> and they were like, well, I guess if you're going to call it Penguin 5, we'll hand it back. Other systems, if we're talking about like ways to branch out of just Kids wizards. on bikes. Kids on bikes. I don't know shit my... about kids on bikes. Kids on bikes is my favorite. I tried to... Um, Stranger Things before it was a real thing, motherfuckers. Yes, it is truly. It's just it's Kids on Bikes original system is basically Stranger Things. It's like you're a kid in the '80s in a little town. I really like the system. is super unique. It's super fun and it's super simple. So I suggest anyone who wants to get into like tabletop games and like D and D because D and D has an ungodly amount of rules that you have to like know and you don't have to memorize them but like you yeah. basically I mean I've been a DM for almost two years now which I mean isn't that long when you look at somebody like Brennan or Matt yeah who have been doing it for centuries not that <laughs> old but like for the first time in any of our experiences both as players and as a DM we had to figure out how to manually do a character sheet and that oh, shit for our was new, god, yeah for the new one the and new that one. was god awful yeah so learning so I always suggest kids on bikes it's super fun they've got a bunch of different ones there's kids on bikes there's kids on brooms which is use totally an app a, totally does not not D beyond unless you have the thirty dollars to spend on it a month absolutely not but like um, use an app truly it's easier I understand like the old heads are like oh my god you pin and paper motherfucker I'm not going to have to add my proficiency bonus every time I level up to remember 
how I can talk to animals. So yeah, for our our new campaign that we're doing that we're starting, we had our session zero for it. Uh, Shout out fifth Saturday at sheet. eight a.m. Yep. Uh, this motherfucker had to call me to wake me up, and we yep. live in the same house. Yes, we do. Um, but I was not getting up that early. Uh, and then I did get up that early, and we're doing it again this weekend. Yes, we are. We're pushing um, it back an hour, though. We're doing nine. Nine? Yep, we're okay. doing nine. Uh, I like shout that out. we're just having real, like, Yeah, that's what this is going to be, though. Yeah, like, pretty we much. live lives outside of this podcast. Shout out 5th Edition Character Sheet. You can get it on literally any app store. They're not. We're not sponsored. We're not paid, but, like... They should pay us and sponsor It's free, and then it's, like, to. 99 cents or $5 or some shit like that to upgrade, and you get, like, infinite characters... It does everything that D&D Beyond does for you, but for free. And it's formatted so much better. And. So and much better. And they've, like, they keep updating homebrew stuff that gets put out in, like, really popular manuals yeah. uh, and books put out by different people. So, like, you have more than just D&D Beyond's Yeah, if content. you pay the 99 cents for the app, you're going to get all of the content that is paywall. Which, when I suggested D&D that, Beyond, everybody so. at the table that I first put oh, I was like, 99 I cents? Refuse. You got to play a, you got to pay a dollar to get into the hobby? <laughs> I was like, motherfucker, do you want a smooth experience? Because I want a smooth experience. Yeah. It, learning how to do character sheets is already like a bitch and a half. Yeah, so then you have like this nice little tool that you'll have with you everywhere because your radiation-emitting phone that's burning a hole in your leg is... That's not an actual stance I hold. That's not a stance I hold. It sounds like, like a sandwich. To clarify, I don't think. I mean, phones, there's a little bit of radiation, right? But, like, not enough to burn a hole in your leg. I've lived 22 years. I'm scared years this is going to go far on my... right real fast it's when not... you be talking about okay, this. Okay, let me come out very clearly then. So <laughs> I think far right and far left, either side of it, they're lunatics. They're crazy. They're clowns. They're puppets. They're, like, they're legitimately, like, Sesame Street level characters of cartoonish. <laughs> Except for the fact that they hold positions and offices that can, like, destroy lives. Yeah, politics. We won't talk about it that much, but like Wizards kind of falls into that. But yeah, yeah. Kids on Bikes, 5e. Um, oh, Kids on Bikes. Kids on Bikes yeah, has one yeah. called Kids on Brooms, We've which is a knockoff of that one Turf's uh, property. I didn't even um, know what Kids on Brooms is. It, it's, it's Kids on Bikes version of um, the. Is it like I don't, a license thing? No, it's, I mean, yeah, probably, because she's not going right. to. They have a page about like inclusive gaming, oh. and so J.K. Rowling's not going to back that. Right now, yeah. See, <laughs> listen, um, you don't want it to be political, and then you talk about J.K. Rowling, who literally um, muggles. Black people don't exist in her universe either. <laughs> like, and if you if you want to talk about like politics and D and D and J.K. Rowling, I I I don't know why I'm plugging Dimension Twenty like they need to be plugged from yeah, they're me. They're like our dream. But well, more her dream, less of absolutely mine. I've acknowledged my dream. that I'm never going to reach that level, but like if I did. Listen, I'm trying to be a professional actor and if I could just switch that to professional D&D player, I would in a heartbeat. I don't believe um, I think I would too. I'm like trying to get a job in like saving the world and if I can do it being a professional DM, I'll be damned like Cool. You're hearing it here, folks. You have to get this podcast successful so he can save the world and I get to play D&D for money. Yep. Um, Those are his dreams. But uh, they're... Uh, oh, what's it? Uh, Misfits and Magic is amazing. Um, it's oh. really, really good. It's a great introduction to the kids on bike system. It's yeah. a super fun system. Um, so that's one of my personal favorites. Um, in terms of like other games, we play like just about every... We've played just about every board game in general under the sun we yeah we i will i will emphasize lot. every time we say this to somebody specifically somebody across the counter in a game shop they're like so you play Catan? 
No, <laughs> we've no, never we don't. played Catan. So we can't say we've touched them all because that's like the grandfather with all seventy-eight fucking expansions that cost as much as my left nut. Yeah. So no, we haven't played all of them, but we played a lot of them. Yes. Um, which maybe we'll do a whole episode about um board games and stuff. But I know that uh, magic is also something that like we as a group kind of. I don't play magic. And I want that to be very clear. <laughs> I, I played play magic, magic very briefly, but I'm I, in my hot girl it. era, and I do not play Magic the then, Gathering no, in my hot girl era. We got good not at that it. someone else can't. I when we first started playing, um, and it was it was his fiance that actually yeah. like Shout told us to about. I she love got Elle. us. Yeah, she got us into. Uh, she re- she regrets, regrets it, now it every day because we've spent. I think collectively we've probably spent thousands of dollars. No, I know we have. We've spent thousands of dollars. Yeah, it's bad. Um, but yeah, she taught us when we at the same time that we decided to pick up D and D. We also decided <laughs> to pick up a holy like a whole nother system that has a mountain of rules. Yeah, which is Magic the Gathering, and it's just exploded. When and we, we were have first thousands of cards playing, and we didn't really understand how to play, I was like, okay, yeah, I'll play, and I was winning all the mm-hmm, time and mm-hmm, it pissed mm-hmm. Robert specifically off because I would I get very competitive and Madison also wins <laughs> it almost every board game we play it's only when they're okay so I was gonna justified. say only when they're trivia based but that's not true because I always win at Lords of Waterdeep <sighs> and it's I, my game which that is my fiance <laughs> bought for me and then I lost the first game I played it's a D and it's Wizards of the Coast so I mean this is a fun game um, but it's like a board game board game and it, I don't even know it takes how about to the same it, time as Monopoly it's, yeah. like Monopoly, it's like Monopoly, but it's more it's more incentivized for you to stab people in, in the ass. Yeah, and I it was it's the same I, buying property thing. I mean, there's no hotels, there's brothels, but there's no hotels, right? Yeah. So, I think was it your birthday that we were playing it, it, and I just I kept winning every single time, and yeah, I felt so awful. And I leaned over, and I can't remember who I told, but I was like, I'm gonna throw this next game because I feel really bad about winning every game. And that was the first one Robert won. Yeah, and okay. I like sure. took that shit to the grave. I sure. have witnesses. Uh-huh. I have witnesses. Witnesses that would gladly, if it's first of all, if it's my fiance, absolutely not. She takes sides in everything. It was her. I, yeah, I don't fucking <laughs> trust her. I mean, I trust her with my life, but I don't trust her with that. Yeah, we sabotage you regularly. I'm aware. Listen, we have this. We've also joke. had some games of Monopoly that get. So fun messy. story. I'm highly successful at everything I've ever done in my entire <laughs> life, and it bothers the shit out of everybody in my house, with the exception That's of like, one of my roommates. Um, and so my fiance and Madison like to just prey on my downfall all the time. But it's always like, I hope you stub your toe tomorrow, or like step on a Lego, and I'll be damned if I don't crunch my fucking toes. <laughs> On every staircase, in table, in chair, in my house, multiple times a day. It's I think it's karma. A truly, if there's bad karma, it comes in the way of removing my toenails because I'll be damned if it doesn't happen what? all the time. That's an awful thing to hear. Removing my toenails. Like, Monopoly is probably the messiest game that we play. And I, oh, yeah. And that's including D&D when Robert has gone on the record to say he has a personal vendetta where his only goal this session is to kill us. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, listen, as a DM, I think you get to a point where, like, you've designed, you design this really in-depth, super challenging, like, combat session or puzzle or literally, exactly literally anything. Well, I mean, there's that. There's the example I think you're thinking of, and then there's just generally... When you make a really complex, convoluted, like, mastermind, who's behind the screen type shit, and then one of your players walks up and either rolls a d20 or has a spell on their spell list that you didn't check beforehand, and they're like, oh, that, that's what we needed to do? The first action, or, like, the second action. And you're like, sure, fuck the two hours of my life I spent on planning this. 
I don't need it. I don't need the satisfaction of seeing this happen at all. And then you go into the next session and you're like, all of you are going to die <laughs> because I can make that happen. I am legally allowed to make that happen. One of my personal favorites was uh, the, the the character that Robert truly wanted to kill. Her name was Magnolia. That was and she did I die. I got my satisfaction in the end. I, yeah, but I killed myself. So was it satisfaction? I presented you with the opportunity to do so. So yeah, a little... Okay. Well, there was a, she was like in a room, and it was this puzzle. Oh, it was it like was the this, clockwork puzzle thing. Yeah. yeah, and it was supposed to be this really complicated puzzle, and it was supposed to be really cool, and my character had been separated. I was the only person there, and like she had a broken leg. And then, of Things course, I present great. her with all of these really intelligent, like, inspector, like, you should roll an intelligence check, and an arcana check, and investigate, and go into the second layer, to the third layer, to activate the fourth. And, and then, of course, the last option I present is there's this giant, like, stone slab that's going at, like, mock speed, and if you... If it gets like if you clip, you're either losing a limb or your life. And she goes, "Yeah, I'll try it." And then guess what happens? <laughs> I rolled a nat twenty, and I can't tell her no. And I bypassed the entire puzzle and just was just like walking in a hallway. Yeah, just slid under the, the fucking mock just... stone. But okay, that didn't upset me that much because it came out of a book that um, Dakota, one of her roommates and also players at the table uh, in our current campaign, both of my campaigns actually. I'm not DMing both, but I'm DMing one and playing in the other. He's playing in that one too. Uh, he gave me like a like a dungeon master's like trap and puzzle and dungeon whatever the fuck for my birthday, and I literally just pulled it out because I was like back rooms, bitch. Here's a puzzle from the back rooms, and then she just slid underneath it. So I wasn't as mad at that as I have been at some other things. That was just like that's a tear away. I'll give you another one tomorrow. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, other experiences with puzzles and players. Um, God forbid if you <laughs> give them anything that's related to a cipher or like a one plus x equals two. Oh my god! It's gonna Lord. take them literally forty-five minutes to figure out the world's simplest puzzle. It's like here's five flowers. They all have a different color. Now there's an object in the room that correlates with those colors, or maybe, maybe there's something like a cauldron in the center that's like you need to have one of each color in this pot. And they're like. What were the flowers called again? It was what fucking continent did they come from? Truly, it was four grown men. It was four. Can I do a history check on the uh, on the origin of the color yellow? And they were just straight. They were fucking baffled. But this was the puzzle they had while I was dealing with the clock shit that I just bounced through. She got through that a lot quicker than it. I mean, they literally did a long rest in the middle of the puzzle to get their spell slots back. They're like, "Well, we're getting nowhere with this long rest." Yeah, it w- that one was bad. So yeah, it took them forever. It was literally just like a little shitty cipher that came out of that same book, and the yeah. amount of times I had to repeat and like redraw, it like was, you wrote it down in a way that gave away the yeah. answer, and then and I accidentally wrote the cipher down in a way that you could put it together easier, and I didn't even mean to do that. And they were literally looking at it for like thirty minutes. It was bad. Sometimes that was, that was so just, a bad one. just be aware that sometimes you have to, you don't have to dumb things down, but you do need to like hook, line, and sinker because sometimes it doesn't always, right? Sometimes the ridges aren't always there. Sometimes it's just a fucking, it's a smooth plateau up there and you gotta, you gotta do a little bit of digging. Yeah, there was, oh my God, the, so I'm like, I'm the note taker at our table, which is, I guess that's another thing about me that qualifies me yeah. to talk. I'm an obsessive note taker. My notes for each talk session. About that this is not every session. Every session will be like, we have a list of topics that we want to do. And one yes. of those things is, um, like we've talked about one, the importance of note taking. 
Uh, we've talked about doing like a small series with like table etiquette. So mm-hmm. like how to act as a player the first time you're at a table, how to act as a DM. Don't be Batman. Don't be Batman, but then also don't be Batman as a DM because then somebody makes a really stupid, like I was watching a thing with, with Brennan Lee Mulligan and he was talking about the first time he like ever DM'd or one of the first time he ever DM'd and yeah. he wrote like the whole thing with like, there was like doors or some shit and a princess and players and they were yeah, supposed yeah. to go through with it and there was the hook and he planned like this whole world and adventure and quest and then they just decided to like steal the fucking bride and leave. And then he yeah. had nothing prepared. Um, I that I've taken that to heart. I prepare so little for my sessions outside of like location names and maybe NPC names. Um, but yeah, don't be Batman on either side of the screen because we don't like somebody that takes two years to plan a turn and then take away all the fun from everyone else. But we also yes. don't like the person uh, that doesn't let the players choose the fucking story, which is what the whole game is about. Yeah, so we've got, most other episodes will be structured. This yeah. one is... This one's just talking. Not. I don't even remember what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> We're going to do like I'm a class and race breakdown, talking about mm-hmm. like what our favorites are, what's most infuriating to a DM, um, which just very quickly, as a race, if you play a Warforged, <laughs> get fucked. Um, <laughs> Didn't you suggest get the fucked. last person at our table who played a Warforged? I'm pretty sure you were the one that suggested it. How to do combat? Yeah, because I mean, it, it just fit who he was looking for. Um, combat and magic, how the fuck that works. Uh, that's the one thing where I will shout out to like, kids on bikes and kids on brooms is that the combat is so much simpler and it's so much it's so so much more cinematic and they don't story have a, driven there's there's no system for combat yeah, it you is just roll scores against story driven yeah you just roll so like a, a minor mechanic in the in the fucking dumpster fire that is action economy and D <sighs> is grapple God. where you roll two strength scores against each other and you see who wins and if somebody wins like the person attempting to grapple if they get like if their strength score is higher, then, then congratulations, you've been fucking grappled. Yeah, that's the that's the entire combat system in kids on bikes and I kids on bikes. And I don't have a problem with that, but that's realistic. see, I started shout out to them for making a combat system that doesn't take forty five fucking minutes to play out. Yeah, and it it like it can my be four so players versus a lich. Merry Christmas, yeah. you've earned yourself a two hour combat session. I say almost every combat session combat session that we've done at our table has been like oh it's not gonna be that bad it's just gonna be like like a short combat session we're gonna get to like other things because we play long sessions like half the time we end up playing for like four to five hours and like the dimension 20 format where it's where you have like a long session of narrative and a long session of combat tends to work pretty well true to life you just kind of have to you really have to plan out just how long it's going to take people to get through a combat session yes. in respect to narrative. Because with players and, co- and narrative, you can let the players take it as long and as far as you want them to, or as they want to. Combat, on the other hand, is entirely up to you. Yeah. You can decide if they spend two hours trying to kill one creature and it's 50 fucking goons, or if it's like 45 minutes and a really fun story-driven encounter. I've done both. Mostly because the the first one the, with the fifty goons and the one big guy, I kept giving them big creatures, and they were like, "No, don't give us big creatures. Give us goons." We wanted goons. We, well, no. So I said, "Okay, we goons it is." Lower level goons, and we they were lower level. They had a powerful. quarter of your hit points. They were fun to kill. Yeah, they died easy. It was like two swings, and they were dead. But I gave them a shit ton of them because they wanted a lot of goons. Yeah, I wanted to show them what the negative consequences of asking for goons is. Like. I personally enjoyed that combat encounter. It was fun. It was a lot more creative than some of the other ones. That was also one of the ones where I rolled well, and I have a love-hate relationship with combat because I, there's some sessions where I just, I, like, like, Murph, I cannot get a Mm -hmm. decent roll for the life of me, and it's gotten to the point where, like, I'm getting, like, real-life frustrated. That man has rolled more nat ones at my table than anybody, I think, combined. Yeah. But there, there were, 
during a one shot we did recently, I built this character and I made the mistake of playing just like a full rogue with no other like multi class yeah. abilities, which we'll talk Having about multi class Previously, in episode. only played magic users. Yeah, I decided to step out because I'm I'm a sorcerer girly. I love my sorcerers. I love wild magic. I love. I love magic bullshit. And I was like, okay, I'm going to like try and play this like really cool, like swashbuckling pirate and all that. And I had it. So if I was like within five feet of you, you were like, I was leveling you. Yeah, no, she could do like serious damage to some really high health and like high AC creatures when However, she could get to them. Uh, we were fighting this fucking crab and oh it wasn't God. even a planned combat encounter this was like no, one wasn't. of our party members was up near it and like and turned into I, I a googled bird colossal crab stats as yeah. he was making the decision on what to do with it and then it turned into this really <laughs> long the combat encounter was so long and i kept getting like and the crab was running the whole time and normally i would just be like okay run away but he had one of our fucking people in his goddamn claw, and we needed everyone for this particular thing. So it was just like a little one shot, and all the party had to be together because of a curse, blah, blah, blah. D&D bullshit. Yeah, and yeah. this crab starts like running back, and I'm like, well, fuck, I can't do anything from a distance. Yep. So I'm running up on this thing, and it's getting to a point where it's like, it has more movement speed than mm-hmm, I do. And mm-hmm. like, I'm still not near it. So I like straight up for like, Six or seven turns. Just kept running at it. Just kept running. And I couldn't do anything else. And it was getting to a point where the crab finally stopped moving. But then something else happened and I couldn't attack it. Mm -hmm. And like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I like was getting like real life pissed. And it was like to a point where Robert noticed and was like, are you good? And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm just upset right now. And so uh, about half my combat encounters go that way where it's either I'm incapacitated in some way, whether that means my character gets Mm -hmm. knocked out pinned to a wall with a fucking javelin or some bullshit. Yeah. And it's um, that's kind of a topic that, like, we'll eventually talk about, because I mean, we plan on doing a, a couple of different episodes about, like, what it's like to be a DM, what it's like to be a player, how to do character creation, how to write a story. But, like, I guess my piece on making fun combat encounters very quickly before it turns into a full episode. Um, please, as a DM, monitor your players' reactions to the things that you're you're throwing at them. And also try to keep, like, try to keep in your mind that not everybody is going to be suited for the same combat encounter, and therefore might have a really shitty experience. Like, I don't hold the crab thing against myself because the crab wasn't really my decision. Like, yes, I made it there, but I also gave a lot of warnings that, like, maybe don't step on the fucking beach on the magical island. Yeah. And of course, somebody did. I mean, I gave him the option to do so, but you know, critical thinking skills. Um, same person who's also done something like that in the Yeah, past. same person who also just jumped into a portal to hell thinking that was going to fix the problem, <laughs> and then it didn't. But anyways, as a, as a DM, like it, plan your combat encounters, or at least throw your combat encounters in a way that everybody can do something. Uh, because if you have a player full of barbarians and rogues that have no way to run or like increase their movement speed, don't give them a creature that can fly or has 50 feet of movement speed on a turn. Yeah. Because then they're just going to spend their whole turn doing nothing. And it's not fun. I'll say it's also a thing of like, at our table at least, like from a player perspective, we're coming from a lot of people who have different histories with like playing Mm. D&D. Yeah, some people are more experienced with it. Some people have more experience than others. I'm one of the lesser, I think at this point I'm the least experienced at the table. Yeah, because I guess Dakota's played before. Yeah, because like he'd played a like little once bit. or twice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so even though I've got the least amount of like actual play experience, 
I'm still like very obsessive about D and D, and I'd like been mm. into it for a really, really long, really long time. I just couldn't find anyone to play with, and blah blah blah. Yeah, I mean, it's um, like so the bane like, of the hobby is finding people to play with. Yeah, so like scheduling. I know a lot about it, but I don't have a lot of that experience at the table. And I also come from a point where like what I love about D and D, my favorite parts of D and D, even though I do enjoy combat, is the is the narrative, is the storytelling, is the the role playing, is that mm. having fun and creating a narratively compelling story, um, because like that's all what I do. I mean, I with my background in theater and my background in like creating my own original works and things like that yep, that yep. is my drive mm-hmm. versus we have some other people at the table who like combat a little bit more mm-hmm. than they do some other yeah, things people so who it's, have played video games and have more experience with like yeah. the skyrim type deal where like yes there's a story but it's the combat and the min maxing and like the multi-classing that's like really the appeal for them yeah and I, it's a balance and it's a hard balance because not like not only are your players playing different characters but they're also just different people very like, like I'm the whole you gotta come up with a good hook so that way all your players naturally fall in love with each other net like players characters all your PCs naturally fall in love with each other and want to go on adventure across the stars <laughs> and different lands and multiverse and be happy you know like friends and family that is easier than making players get along at the table yeah and right. you have to do that as a person Our not as a narrator in, in terms of like that was a little bit of a challenge I mean it was a it was a table full of of edgy characters which is something yeah. that we'll get into Everyone a little had bit a more sad backstory, during which our like that's table to be expected. Thing. like expect that if you're a player sitting yeah, at a table yeah. for the first time with other first time players expect that no one's gonna have family everyone's gonna have like a super <laughs> fucked up name or backstory everyone's gonna have some like deep dark secret that they're gonna mm-hmm. try and whip out on the party at a random time or a power they want to conceal from everybody yeah and it's just not gonna like those you can try those things but oftentimes it's not gonna hit that's what you we don't have that of, chemistry with people at the table and you yeah. don't know how to play and you and, like know how to play with each other not know mm-hmm. not know how to play um but i think like even our session zero are with the same group of people yeah we just uh, had one for the first time person um all of the characters melded together in mm-hmm. like a surprising way. Got along yeah. in crazy ways because our first campaign with a hook that wasn't even intended. Yeah, like, like that was fully like a spur of the moment choice, we and went then like it happened. Full off track. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that kind of happened in our last uh, one shot too, where we were doing s- we were trying to solve a puzzle, and we one of the characters rolled a nat one on intelligence, mm-hmm. and um. Robert was like, okay, this character knows exactly what the, the answer to this puzzle and is. It and it was so out. not right. It ended up so working well. out perfectly. But it turned into probably the most chaotic I think it turned into one of the I've most done. fun role-playing moments it was, between players at a table I've ever seen in my it life. It was some of the most fun. It was this character was like trying to find, what was it, something, remembrance? So they needed a, so there was like this uh, this thing that they had to find. They had like an ingredient list for a potion to make um, for this like island of, of Gorgons and whatever, whatever. And one of the things that they had to find was like uh, like a tear of remembrance or like yes. a drop of, of remembrance. Everything else on, on the item list was like very normal fetch questy. Find a spider that can't be caught. Kill a dragon that can't be slain. Like stupid that shit one was like a bitch. stupid shit like that. Um, but this one was a little bit more like you had to really think about it or just get like a solid raw or investigation check. And one mm-hmm. of our not so smart characters <laughs> at the table decided he was gonna step up and roll that check and got a natural one. And so there was like a literally a specific place that they had to go and then do a specific action. But the nat one, I was like, cool. So instead of telling him he needs to go to a lake and look into the water and sacrifice a memory, you know what's shiny and reflective and you lose memories in? Fucking rum. (laughs) You know who has a lot of rum on the boat? The captain. So our entire party went 
the opposite direction, which our yep. entire party saved one person who was like, I'm going to think better of this. Mm-hmm. And so he went to the correct place. The rest of us went back to the boat and it turned into like, it, it was sheer chaos because yeah, half of the party, well, actually everyone in the party except uh, the character that I was playing was like, okay, we're going to go search for the rum. Mm. And they're like just turning the ship upside down and they can't find it and the crew keeps distracting them. And then my character was like, oh, I got this. I'll distract the captain. And it turned into... It was so uncomfortable, but it was also some of like I think the was, hardest I've laughed at the table. I would agree with that. It was the funniest. It was it was just it was chaos, yeah. and it ended up in the end being um, the character gets the rum, takes it to the location, and while he's like the looking at the rum and like, like telling butt the story, ass naked with vomit on him. Oh my god! They were in like, front of the whole crew. Dying. It was, it was. A man died. I died like I killed myself like yeah. four times during the process because I was, was like. Wild. I had, like, one hit point the entire time, and I, like, mm. regularly would, like, knock my head back and, like, try and kill myself, so I would go down to zero <laughs> and get brought back. Yeah, so then it's, like, constitution saving throw, strength check. Can you kill yourself in this moment? Yeah, it was it was chaos, but it was a lot of fun. And so mm-hmm. his uh, the character who had the idea for the rum takes it back and is telling the story to the other characters who are there, and... In doing Sam's so, is tech- wasn't it? Yeah. yeah Ends yeah. up like uh, sacrificing that memory into the rum, which was a very backwards way of doing it, but mm-hmm. you know, we succeeded. And I think that and was a really cool moment. And it worked. Props to you narratively. If that was like a really fun DM moment to come full circle of like, yeah. okay, this is something clearly that like we have invested well over an hour into. Mm-hmm. Um, and it w- it was like a timed thing of like we only yeah. had so long to do this. It was the other thing too. Like there was a whole we had a, like a, t- a time thing behind it where like you only have so many hours. Like once the sun sets on the whatever day of the island, and you know then it's just you're trapped here forever. And then the gorgons are gonna murder you and eat you yeah. in your sleep. So there was also like a time aspect to it as well, which you know that's you don't have to regulate that as a DM. I hate people that are anal like that where it's like okay. Every time someone takes an action, a minute passes. Like, no, That's just stupid. do what feels right. Like, add the pressure as it needs to be added. I was like, even the way we did our last uh, combat encounter, at, we did mm-hmm. a combat encounter in our session zero for our, um, the current campaign that we're playing, and it was it was a lot of fun. It wasn't something where we were really measuring so much. Yeah. It was a lot more like kids on bikes, kids yeah. on brooms type deal, where it was just I was having them roll checks against each other, and I didn't even really roll anything for the villains all that much um and like the goons and the combat it was more just feeling out what the players could do uh with some context we'll talk about it. it's our current campaign it's all about superheroes and so the idea or at least my idea as a dm for that is what's the point of being a superhero if you can't do like super power level shit and if i'm gonna have to like if you have to roll a d20 every time you want to use like a lightning ability that targets the whole room to hit one person like no that's so fucking stupid let like if if it your characters fun. are supposed to be a certain kind of character, let them be those characters. And it was also a thing of, like, my, the character that I was playing is, like, a relatively unexpected. And we'll probably do an episode where we talk all about our campaign that we're in currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm, do a my breakdown of the first one, a, for sure. Yeah. Uh, was a very, like, inexperienced hero. And it was fun for me as a player and me as a character to realize, like, oh, my gosh, I can get away with so much at the table because we weren't, like, counting, talking, or as like mm-hmm. a part of your turn and there weren't things of like okay you had your action and your bonus action and your movement and you can't do anything else this was yeah. a very like flowy like at one point my character was like running across the room to talk to multiple people and mm-hmm. then still taking an action but yeah. it, it didn't feel like it was like we're doing way too much and it was it was a fun thing of like even little attacks like you can see oh the bad guy like the 
the Godfather type character that we're fighting that I hit with um, a little like the Godfather (laughs) fucking character. He's a shark, by the way. His name is the Codfather. Shark. He runs a criminal underground that like smuggles shit in and out of the ports because you know he's a fucking fish. It was. I. It's my favorite character in the campaign. And yeah, yeah. yeah. We're probably gonna kill him. Um, but, like, my character threw what's basically the equivalent of, like, a baseball made of light at him and still yeah, having him literally. go, like, hey, what, mm-hmm. ow. Yeah, yeah, And, yeah. like, getting to be like, oh, my God, wait, I did something. Mm-hmm. It, it was, I think it's a really cool way to do it. So I'm, I'm very, like, in those kinds rule of, of cool, stay loosey-goosey with your shit. Yeah. Because I think that's what keeps it fun and fresh and yeah. engaging. And those kinds of, like, free play, role play moments where you just kind of, like, let your characters kind of do what they want, but in a way that fits best in their mind. Um, it tends to, like, they, they figure out better ways to role play, and they really mm-hmm. figure out the character they want. Because if I tell you as a player, we're going to hop in a two-hour combat session, um, God forbid. And We've had that happen so We have had times. that happen. I'm going to try to avoid that happening this time. But, like, let's say this is, like, our second session. This is our first real taste of combat. You're an experienced player. However, we're about to go into a 45-minute combat session. If you ever played the game of D&D, you understand that you have a fucking spell list as long as your arm, an action economy as tall as you are. Like, it's insane. And so it it pulls you out of the roleplay experience, and it really forces you to be a player and a person who's trying to think about what to do with their turn versus, like, what do you want to do as the character? Okay, sick. Make a roll. You pass. Like, there's less thought on having to plan your shit out and be a player and more emphasis on you roleplaying and getting to experience the emotions as the character. Yeah, I think that it it becomes a lot more engaging in a different way. And it's not saying that the other ways aren't fun because sometimes it is kind of fun to like go through meticulously plan Mm. each turn and look through your spell list and be like, oh, I've got the perfect really, really like detect poison and disease. It's such a niche. Yeah, until you watch like Crown of Candy or something. Yeah, and and then it's it's like like, like, this colossal story moment for several of the characters. Or like heat metal. Heat metal is, in my opinion, not it's it's not good if you're playing in like a classic high fantasy setting. But we had a character who had it in this session zero and ends up fucking like melting a, or like heating up a car with a character inside it to like try and melt the person and it was like a really cool badass thing yeah. so there's some things that also like you know it changes from thing to thing and it's it's very nice to have that satisfaction and payoff of like this very specific thing that i took mm. three levels ago that i haven't gotten to use yep, it's gonna be moment. so helpful right now yeah. and that's great but I think that it's just one of those things like you got to kind of feel that in the moment. And I yep. think there's also room to grow. And those moments are very much like you, you can't really plan for them. Like if I take mm-hmm. plant growth because my character is a druid. Speak with plants. And I, yeah, speak with plants. We'll talk all about the first campaign we did. Plants were a very central theme to it. Um, and not in the way that any of you are probably thinking or guessing. However, comma, if you take plant growth as like a level three druid because I'm a druid and I talk to plants and I can make them grow. Like, you're never going to find the moment or the combat encounter like, oh, I'm going to fight a plant next session. I'm going to take this spell and do that. That's not the shit that's fun. The shit that's fun is like what Madison said. You take a spell at level three. It's a throwaway. It's thematic. And then you end up in a combat encounter. And you find, like, the perfect solution to the problem. Like, I had one of those in the first time I played, or my first campaign that I played with my buddies. Um, I was playing a warlock, which is fucking broken as a class. But anyways... I had, like, a spell, and the whole thing was um, it does psychic damage if somebody, like, moves out of the illusion that you've done. Like, it already does a lot of damage, but then it does more if they move out of it. And there was a character that we had to stop. It was actually, like, a PC. Um, 
and their like whole thing was that they were raging out and they like were they were stuck in this like suit of metal that was like controlling them like very berserk anime style uh and they were like trying to attack us and if this player had genuinely attacked us like there's nothing we could have done because the amount of perks and stacks that they had on at that time with that armor was absurd it was a fun role-playing moment but I had just taken the spell. It did a lot of damage. I didn't expect to get a lot of use out of it. And then we were like one turn away, and he would have like basically one-tapped all three of us. And I was like, what if I put him in a fucking mental cage? <laughs> and then part of it is that they're so terrified that they don't want to interact with the object. So it's like really difficult for you to get them to take that extra damage. But he was a stupid guy stuck in a stupid suit of metal. So I was like, player to DM, tell me he has to interact with these objects. Like he's not going to be scared. He's stuck in a fucking rage suit. And DM was like, yeah, that makes total sense. So then the other player did exactly what he would have done like in the roleplay moment and tried to attack it and like fully knocked him unconscious with how much damage I rolled as a warlock. Okay. And that like ended the encounter. And it was such a cool moment for us. But like I didn't plan for that. I did I never expected that spell to be as useful as it was. And yet, like, it's one of my favorite role-playing moments at a table I think I have ever had. Because it was so out of fucking nowhere. So I guess the moral of this is take one random bullshit yeah, spell. Yeah, take a you random spell you use. never think you're going to use and just wait for the perfect moment to use it. And okay. then be like, surprise, motherfuckers, this is my moment. We had a character who... Um, Detects good and evil? Going to kick your ass this time. At our last uh, campaign, we had a character who did not do super well in combat. They were they were a squishy character. Um, they were a necromancer satyr. Um, and... We were fighting, uh, same campaign where, like, plants are a very central theme, but, like, yep. none of us thought we were going to be fighting them, so nope. we, none of us took any, like... Because I've never, it's like, a, the plants were important, but not, like, you never interacted with them, you couldn't really speak to them, they yeah. weren't part of combat, and then suddenly they were. And we're fighting these plant people, and he pulls Blight out of his ass, and is just doing, like, 80-something mm -hmm. damage Yeah, Blight, for those that have never turn. touched the game, it basically says you sap the moisture out of anything living, and then it does a lot of damage specifically with plants it does like double the amount of damage because yeah. i don't know if you know this plants are mostly made out of water yeah so then you give the fucking druid who's got a ridiculous amount of spell slots and nothing else to use his spell slots on like the fucking blight against a bunch of plants and suddenly he's like a one-man army against it this was, whole unique in combat encounter. it was insane and robert so infuriating. was real life upset so a little infuriating. bit um because, like, yes, really I want you line. to succeed at the players, but I want you to do it my way. Not your way. Do it my way. Do it the yes. hard way. Be creative. That's one of the fun things at our table is that it, even between the two of us, we are two very, very stubborn motherfuckers and yep. like to do things our way. Mm -hmm. And that creates some really fun tension in game, um, which has just been at the just table. Just at the table, yeah. Uh, we don't fight. I mean, we do fight in real life, but that's about other things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it creates a really fun contrast. So it, it is fun to like genuinely kind of prey on people's downfall sometimes <laughs> within yeah, within reason. Bit. Or like you know? poke the bear. Like yeah. Oh, there were things I would yeah. do specifically because like, I'm like, I know this DM, is gonna I like you won't. piss you off. So mm -hmm. like I my character You're at the time had a power session. where I could just fucking leave. Like I yep. could just teleport. Like, no tele spell like slot. No nothing. Door on crack. Yeah, and it was a power that he gave me. Mm -hmm. um, it's part of her character stack, and then it suddenly became, like, the focal point of the entire campaign. Yeah, it was a thing of, like... Uh, like, take the back rooms and then multiply that concept times infinity and then give a player the ability to navigate that shit perfectly. With no spell... Like, not a spell slot. With just, not like, a roll anything, of the dice. Just 
I'm I don't know. I'm gonna vibe check and I'm gonna leave. Yeah, I'm gonna um, feel this. I'm gonna feel this out, and then suddenly I'm just gonna solve all the fucking problems the party has. Yeah, that that did cause. Uh, sometimes I use that because I was like, I know this is like purposely gonna piss you off, and then other times I was like, okay, I. Yeah, and it's the the one thing that I don't like is sometimes the relationship between player and DM is so combative that it's not fun because it's yeah. like okay. You're making this world where not a single one of us is having fun. Like, we're being bullied. Like, it's just, it's not, it's not fun. And it's it's difficult as a player to approach a DM, or your DM, who's taking the time out of their schedule to write this story for you and your friends and be like, hey, I really don't like what you're doing. Because it's, it feels like you're shitting on everything they've done. And to an extent it is. But also, learn how to take critical fucking feedback. Like, yeah. you're an adult, hopefully, and you have critical thinking skills. And so it's, take a moment to go, day, okay, maybe I don't want to make a world where everybody in it hates my players for no goddamn yeah. reason. You know? Yeah. Like, just don't do that. It's at the end of the day, D&D and, like, most tabletop games um, that I'm aware of, at least, are a collaborative thing. It yeah. is a... Have a positive relationship with your DM as a player yes. and vice versa. It makes it a lot more fun. So when I do get upset at Madison, I can give her a fun, challenging story point and not ruin the whole campaign, you know? Yes. Um... And I think that's something that we kind of at least are attempting to show in our podcast of, you know, um, the thing I think makes this a, I, I want to say there's a million D&D podcasts out there. There's a million oh, yeah. D&D actual oh, plays yeah. and everything. See, a lot um, of them are the actual plays. And I yeah. think the where we're trying to be different, right, um, is it's it's all conversation. Like maybe we'll show you guys a little bit of what it's like for us to play at a table or something. But, like, it's it's all conversation. It's all tips and tricks. It's how to get into this, like, impenetrable fucking hobby that takes yeah. years to learn and, and get good so at. And it's so intimidating. And the, the goal of this is to make it more digestible and more approachable and feel like you can get your foot in the door. And I think another one of the perks of this is it's coming from the perspective of two different hosts, one person who is a player and one person who DMs more. Yeah. Um, and showcasing that collaborative thing and like you can have these conversations with your dm outside mm -hmm. of the table and like have these collaborative conversations and i think that's at least one of the things that i really want to do is show like the both sides of the coin and that one isn't more mystical than the other and you can't blame the other for all of the problems that you yeah. feel like you're having at the table yeah, yeah. and you can just like work together man shout out it's to the collaborative. title episode behind the screen across the table right like that's the whole concept yeah we want you to be able to see what's going on behind the screen and understand how to be the man behind the curtain but then also how to like engage as a player and how to have fun with the content you're given and just how to like get into the hobby. Yeah. So awesome. Well, I think we're probably over the time that we thought we were going to be. This but was supposed to be 30 minutes. Yeah, 30 to 45. And we're <laughs> looking at 50 right now on the counter. So anyways, thanks for tuning in for our session zero here at Table Talk. Uh, we will hopefully have a lot more content coming for you guys very, very soon. We have a long list of episodes, episode titles. Shout out to ChatGPT. We'll talk about AI in a future episode. Um, <laughs> what a way to end it with a yeah, 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 hot topic there. DM hook, baby. We're going to talk about AI. But anyways, I hope you guys have a, a wonderful day-night evening. Uh, roll a couple of nat 20s. Throw the nat ones at your DM. I am personally pro getting a giant, like, D20 to throw at your DM whenever something A soft one, a plushie, not a real resin a one. A real resin one with sharp real. edges and everything. Yeah. I don't condone physical violence. We'll talk about dice in a later day, but fuck resin dice, bro. <laughs> Those things will cut you like no other. Or Robert hit stop before he was supposed to, so we didn't get to record an outro. So now we have to go back in and fix that. Um, thank you for tuning into Table Talk. We really appreciate your support. Um, 
And up next Thursday, I believe we should have our next episode coming out. What episode is that going to be, Robert? All about D&D, and that includes character creation. Behind the screen is the DM, how to make a world, how to not be an asshole at the table. My personal favorite topic. Thank you all so much again for tuning in, and thank you for your support. I'm Maddie. And I'm Robert. See you next week. <laughs>